Welcome to a new cutting-edge episode, OTRs. Today's episode is a mouthful. It's titled, Factors Associated with Dairy Farmers' Satisfaction and Preparedness to Adopt Recommendations After Veterinary Herd Health Visits. Quite a mouthful. But there's three big take-home points you can take out of this article. And I'll share one with you now, and the rest will come at the end of the podcast. So be sure to tune in all the way to the end. The first big take-home point is that for all of us, veterinarians, consultants, any egg professional, the domination of a conversation with a dairy farmer is detrimental to the satisfaction, compliance, and overall herd health for that client. Veterinarians should instead focus on balancing client communication, client education, and client consulting to create an atmosphere of mutual input and aligned goals. So stay tuned, OTOers, for another research article from Carolyn Ritter and the rest of her research team. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTRs. Today's article is very exciting. It's kind of the continuation of an article that we reviewed already in the Cutting Edge series, and that's an article done by Carolyn Ritter's team, so Carolyn Ritter, Cindy Adams, David Kelton, and Herman Barkama. This research we talked about previously was published in 2018. Now, the research today that we're going to talk about was published in 2019. The objective of today's research, again, was to assess dairy farmer satisfaction with veterinary advisors and their perceived preparedness to adopt veterinary advice. This was done by looking at the effect of specific predictive variables on client satisfaction and preparedness for compliance. As always, we're going to start with some interesting background information. And the information that Carolyn chose to present to us today in the article was very foundational to the rest of the article. So again, like always, be sure to pay attention. But in this case, this is very, very foundational. And some of these topics are things that we have not been trained on, unlike in our other, let's say, more medically based research reviews. So the first piece of information the research paper presented was that research in 2013 by Silverman found that communication skills in human medicine are linked to patient and physician satisfaction, patient adherence, and overall outcomes. Establishing the foundation for similar research in the veterinary realm, where we must communicate not with the patient, but with the actual caregiver. That same study, and a study done by Adams and Kurtz in 2017, established that a physician or veterinarian's attention 
and respect for the patient or client's experiences and opinions and the sharing of power and decision-making make for improved consulting and overall quality. Again, reinforcing what we learned from Ritter's 2018 article that client involvement throughout the entire medical process is absolutely critical. Finally, in the last decade, this concept of relationship-centered care rather than simple diagnostic prowess has emerged as having the ability to increase the success of medical encounters. And Kanji in 2012 and King and Hop in 2013 both found this. And we've kind of seen this revolution since probably the early 2000s to mid 2000s so far of the change from being medically endowed or being very good at medical diagnosis to instead to a shift to being able to convey and connect with the client. So again, more research to back that up. Now Robinson in 2006 and MacArthur in 2013 established that we can form an environment of relationship-centered care by using empathy and open-ended questions to shift the encounter's narrative with a patient or client to instead center it instead on the veterinary or medicine side to the client side. In spite of the known benefit of this shift from the medical side to the client side, Janssen in 2010 found that the use of tools like this was rare in the dairy environment and actually had a negative effect on vet farmer relationships and overall quality of the veterinary consulting because we failed to use these tools. Similarly, Hall and Weaponier in 2012 found another short following in the dairy medicine industry that 81% of UK dairy farmers valued the vet farmer discussion about herd health and welfare issues, but only 26% of veterinarians initiated these actual discussions. Again, another key point or identification for growth, improved satisfaction, and improved compliance through communication. Several studies there, five or six, seven studies there, being very, very foundational for the research that Carolyn Ritter's team here did on this article. This research that we're talking about today used the same data set that we reviewed in the Cutting Edge article number 10. So I'm going to invite you to go back and check that article out for a lot of the minute details. But the only difference between the data set in that article and this article was that this article introduced kind of a second data point or a second data set. And that was based upon a survey that the researchers provided the farmers after the interaction they had with their veterinarian. So basically they took the original research data about the farmer vet interaction and then added the survey to that data. This survey asks 15 questions, and I'll provide a copy of the survey in the OTO Facebook group. It's kind of interesting, and it actually might be a nice little foundational survey if you're looking to kind of develop or analyze your practice and your interactions with your clients. So if you'd like to see that, go to otovets.com forward slash Facebook, and you can join our group if you're not already in it. If you're already in the Facebook group, be sure to pay attention this week. You'll see those questions pop up. Um, towards the middle of the week here. These questions were broken down into satisfaction questions, adherence questions, and cost-based questions. The farmer was asked to indicate their score for each satisfaction question as a one to six answer. And they could rank it either as 
poor, fair, good, very good, excellent, or could not be better. Using all of those questions answers, the authors then compiled a overall satisfaction score by averaging those responses. Next, two cost-based questions were asked. And the questions were specifically, how well do you understand the costs associated with today? And rating the veterinarian's discussion of cost with you. They were interpreted as standalone questions, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, why they were, and the importance of doing it that way. Finally, the survey was concluded when farmers were asked to score a score of their preparedness to adopt veterinary recommendations. And this was again scored on a one to six scale that began at absolutely, middled at somewhat, and ended at not at all. That's in essence what they asked these farmers at the end of their study or at the end of their interaction for the previous study. And then these scores were all tabulated and we got some very cool conclusions and very cool results that we can act upon. So the authors concluded basically three major topics. First, they concluded that demographics, such as the veterinarian's age and their sex, impacted satisfaction and compliance, as well as several communication tools that were utilized and some specific veterinary affected attributes. They also stated that veterinary consulting would benefit from an increased use of communication training overall that educated and counseled more, as well as more induced team or consulting based meetings. They finally stated that veterinary dominance of a conversation as well as a large amount of veterinary talk or that biomedical talk weighed negatively on farmer satisfaction and overall compliance. Now these were some base conclusions, but there's a lot of minor conclusions within the article that I think are really worth some additional thought and some additional discussion. As we discussed kind of deeply in the review of Ritter's article in 2018, Dairy veterinarians are often unaware of our herd goals, and this potentially and probably has a significant impact or effect on our client's adherence to veterinary advice. And that's the primary reason for my selection for today's article and reviewing some similar information again, and that's to review the communication issue as one of the, if not the most important tool we need to develop and be cognizant of day to day right now. Overall, in this study, client satisfaction scores of the veterinarian were very good. They actually averaged a 5.1 on a six scale, or basically at the excellent level. It appears that a veterinarian satisfaction rating increased if they displayed dominance and hurried traits, but decreased the longer the client and vet relationship existed, and by the total number of cows palpated during herd health. They probably get sick of us after a while. It's very interesting to me as an owner that yet again, we see this negative effect of long-term interaction between the veterinarian and the client. Much like that 2018 study from Ritter, the longer the relationship existed or the longer the veterinarian practiced, communication patterns seemed to suffer. And that's something important, I think, to be aware of and might actually provide us kind of a means or justification to get our new associates or vets on board with our clients sooner, especially in the face of this research. And if we were just straightforward with them 
explaining to them, hey, there's good research that backs up what we're trying to do and what we're trying to onboard. It's okay if I don't do herd check every once in a while so we don't end up hating each other 30 years from now when I'm still palpating your cows. It's a little bit of a joke, but it's also a reality you can have with the conversation when you're seeking a day off and your client just might not want your new associate for whatever reason. I don't think that's ever right, but I think this, this kind of gives us maybe a leg to stand on or something to kind of, for lack of a better way to say it, pin it on. This study reinforced findings from that 2018 Ritter study again, when it showed that the conversation dominance by the veterinarian or increased vet talk caused a decrease in overall client satisfaction. However, there's a key point in this, that if that talk was balanced more with education or consulting versus just overall conversation dominance, client satisfaction actually increased. And the two other side notes I think that we need to talk about on satisfaction included that farms with post-secondary education, so the person that was interacted with at HerdCheck, if they had a post-secondary education, they were generally more satisfied with their vet's consulting. And this could possibly be due to their better understanding of the educational process behind what we're trying to do and the critical thinking process that we're going through behind our decisions. These interactions also saw more satisfaction if the person that was interacted with at that herd program was the owner of the farm versus employee. And that kind of suggests that because the owner holds control over the vet selection or the protocol implementation, because they had more control, they were more likely to feel comfortable because it was a situation of their choosing and therefore they're more likely to be satisfied. Additionally, Ritter found that the client-farmer interaction, if that interaction contained a female either on the client side or on the actual veterinarian side, it appeared that the satisfaction in that interaction increased as the female's age increased. That was not true with males. Unfortunately, this is a consideration that must be taken into account today. Given my discussions with young female practitioners, this conclusion seems, unfortunately, again, valid, but luckily Ritter's research kind of confirms that young female practitioners can take solace in the fact that while satisfaction is not initially at the level of their male peers, this will improve over time. And hopefully, as we see an increase in overall female practitioners in dairy medicine, this will effect will become less of a prevalent trend but at least there's a little kind of silver lining at the end, knowing that things will get a little bit better. However, even with highly satisfied clients and good, good interactions, farmers were absolutely ready to adopt veterinary recommendations only 58% of the time, with 42% of farmers saying they were middling or less than likely to adopt the recommendation. So clearly we can meet our clients' needs have them be satisfied, but somewhere we are missing the key buttons to improve overall compliance. Interestingly, overall, as client satisfaction increased, the willingness for them to adopt recommendations increased as well. So this leads me to the concept of, is this a chicken or the egg event? Do we chase satisfaction more or do we chase compliance? 
And this is where I'd love to ask the author that exact question. Where do you think we're going to get the best return? I think we can all agree that as medical practitioners, increasing our ability to have more compassion and empathy for our client, their operations, and their actual patients will probably improve compliance. If we follow this narrative and the research done by Kanji in 2012 and MacArthur in 2013, we should then be seeking to establish a solid relationship around the operation's disease or issue first, and then seek to explain biomedical implications or causations. Again, this comes back to the conversation we had earlier about client satisfaction. When we're balancing the vet dominance of the conversation, if we weight this more towards the social implications or the issue around that operation versus other conversation topics, it's okay for us to dominate that conversation a little bit more. Also, we need to make sure, again, going back to the 2018 article, we do not concentrate too much on biomedical implications versus the societal or basically day-to-day implications of treating disease. In that study, Ritter found that 85% of the conversation about that diagnosis was around biomedical implications and only 15% on the impact of those on the actual client. In my opinion, we probably need to consider switching those. Very few of our farmers are going to care a lot about the actual biomedical you know, pathways that cause something. They're going to care about more about how do they treat it, what's the impact on them, their actual employees, and how do we prevent it. So flipping that's going to be critical. Ritter also found that as veterinarian talk increased, compliance to advice decreased, just like she found in satisfaction. Again, this lends weight to the point that the balance between farmer input and viewpoints and veterinarian information and consulting must be adequately considered. When providing advice, another thing we need to watch for is the number of questions a client is asking. Because as question asking behavior increases, the client is actually less likely to adopt the advice given by the veterinarian. The causes for this in the paper were not elaborated on, but personally, I think this is probably because there might be some client doubt or concern that's underlying these questions. So eliciting this concern or trying to weed it out is going to be really important if you want to increase the compliance from your client standpoint. The final point that I want to talk about is the third set of questions. So we talked about the satisfaction, kind of the compliance, but then there's a cost-based question here. And Ritter was forced to break this cost-based section out because 17% of farms didn't provide an answer for these cost-based questions. That's kind of surprising, but not really. Most people don't like to talk about money. But let's go back and just think about these questions. There was two questions. And the question was, how well do you understand the costs associated with today? And rate the veterinarian's discussion of costs with you overall. Now, many of us don't like to talk about this, right? Dairy practitioners talk very little about cost, even though most of the time, you know, if you're like me, it's at the forefront of your mind while you're thinking about treatment strategies or prevention. The reason that I say that Ritter has pointed this out as an important point is that they found in their actual analysis of conversation on farms 
that, that less than 50% of all on-farm discussions even contained a cost-associated discussion point. And this cost-associated question, these two questions, scored the lowest satisfaction scores, even though the highest satisfaction scores in the area of farm involvement by the vet were suggestive that we are including the farmer in all of our other decisions and conversation areas, but we're not including them in this cost discussion, which is a huge opportunity for us. Again, it leaves us huge potential to improve satisfaction as it relates to cost. We can improve our transparency and realize that it's okay to talk about money, to talk about asking clients to do things that might cost money and selling ourselves and our services. We are one of the few professions that seems scared to sell, period. Another potential that I've been considering based on this article and this research that has been published is the effect of cost transparency on our clients. By being clear on what an item or a service costs, you may be able to better sell them or actually generate better compliance than if you avoid that conversation. This comes back to the understanding that we need to know our farm's true goals and give them all the options. And all the options includes also the cost of all the options. Again, letting them become more involved in the decision process, opening those lines of communication, potentially increasing compliance as well. Another interesting point is that there's research out there that has shown that price transparency can increase client loyalty as well as likelihood to purchase services or products overall. This is a skill that takes time to develop if you're a young practitioner. First, you kind of got to master your prices and what things cost overall to do. Next, you need to master your products and the prices of those. And then you need to work on how you integrate those into the conversation. It's definitely not a day one conversation point when you come out of school, but it's a skill you probably need to develop as you go along. It's okay to talk about price and many of my discussions on cattle treatment options involve price today, especially with the current economic economy. Having your clients understand what it's going to cost prevents sticker shock later when they get further into the program. And if there's sticker shock later, there's a good chance they're going to stop compliance at a certain point because they don't want to spend more money. So being upfront and honest and teaching them and educating them what it's going to cost is absolutely critical. So what did we learn today? What are the three big take-home points I want you guys to take home? I shared the first one with you guys in the introduction, and that's we cannot dominate a conversation. It's detrimental to satisfaction, compliance, and overall herd health. What we instead need to do is focus on balancing client communication volume, client education, and veterinary consulting to create an atmosphere of mutual input and aligned goals. The second point I think we should take home is that we can't take a paternalistic approach, i.e. we can't be authorities. It's not desirable. Instead, we should really focus on the farmer as the decision maker and integrating them into the process and making sure that these decisions that they make align with their goals and they're educated on all aspects of these decisions, whether it's success rate, current diagnosis, our confidence in the diagnosis, treatment, the impact of the treatment on themselves or their actual employees, or cost. They need to be integrated into that decision-making process completely. Finally, the third take-home message that I want you guys to take home 
is that veterinary consulting could benefit from an increased use of communication techniques and specifically using these communication techniques, not necessarily from the back end of the cow, but at a more organized setting, such as a team meeting or consulting meeting. These would allow for more targeted conversations, determining more clear objectives for the dairy. For me personally, some of my most successful dairies have quarterly business meetings where we've onboarded the entire consulting team. And I feel that herds that employ even at least an annual consulting meeting have overall more direction, better compliance, and just seem to be more satisfied with the services I can provide. And that's anecdotal, not based on this Ritter research, but just anecdotal to my practice. So I hope you can take some of these facts home to your practice and implement them OTRs. If nothing else, go online, check the article out, give it a little bit of a peruse. I think there's really, really good information that can have an immediate impact on your practice. So thanks for tuning in today, OTRs, and carry on. If you like this content and want more, you can stop by the Operator's Owner's website at otovets.com. There you can sign up for our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. You can also consume some of our original content at the blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time, OTRs.